And how does season four end? Let's find out together, shall we? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast, where age is nothing but a number in life and in fandoms. I am Sheila Amato, and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at foreverfanpod, same handle, three socials. We are your hosts, and we're glad you can join us. And on today's episode, we're going to be covering one of our absolute favorite shows that has been away from our screens for far too long, Stranger Things. Yes, indeed. There's a lot to discuss. So please be aware this will be a long episode. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things Volume 1 and 2, please pause us and come back to this episode after seeing both volumes now streaming on Netflix. <laughs> Continuing our theme here, huh? New banter music. Oh, very I cool. I like it. I like it too. So in case we already weren't hyped about Season 4, Volume 1, uh, before Volume 1 was released, sorry. Um, we actually saw or experienced the Stranger Things experience in Brooklyn. Yeah. And that was so immersive and so much fun. There were a lot of uh, retro 80s theme merch and photo ops. And then um, prior to Volume 2 being released, if you followed us on Instagram, you would have seen that we attended the New Jersey Stranger Con on June 25th and 26th. And we met a lot of the stars from the show. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, there's just too much that happened at that convention and the experience to even really go into. If you want to know more, by all means, uh, send us messages. But uh, Gaten Matarazzo at StrangerCon confirmed that he's going to be on Broadway to close out Dear Evan Hansen. So we did get tickets to that. But my favorite parts of the con were actually them trying not to spoil what was going on in part two. I know. As well as discussing the song. Wait, 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 wait. You, you're, you're going into spoiler territory. We have to stop that. No. Uh, yes, yes. Wait. So before we spoil anyone with our eagerness, let's go ahead and dig into Stranger, Stranger Things Season 4. So here's going to be a short summary from Google. In 1980s Indiana, a group of young friends witness supernatural forces and secret government exploits as they search for answers. The children unravel a series of extraordinary mysteries. You know, it's so funny. I was expecting you to do like one of your special voices because this was a scary season and you did it in your normal voice. I figured that would terrify people more because I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> it terrified me. I was like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> Anyway, um, so there are so many mysteries, and maybe I'm biased, but what wasn't good in this season? I mean, yes, it's quite dark, like we've, we've already alluded to, and it may not be appropriate for very young viewers, um, but the characters are getting older, so it makes sense that things escalate. So there are nine chapters here. Volume one was one through seven. Volume two was the, the last two episodes. And my understanding is they only did that because uh, volume two had special effects and all this other stuff that needed to be done and they didn't want fans waiting. So we're not going to be able to cover everything. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. We're going to do the very best we can and we're going to try to be as efficient and quick and non-tangential as possible so let's set the stage and then go right into the themes. Okay. Do you so, want some do you want some banter music? Oh, why not? Let's use our new music. Okay. So the season, the biggest thing we know is that Elle has lost her powers. The friends are scattered. 
The buyers moved to California, the rest of the gang stayed in Hawkins, and unbeknownst to us, Hopper is being held in a remote Russian prison. So we get introduced to Vecna, and we find out that he is number one slash Henry. Eleven opened the door to the Upside Down and created Vecna when trying to stop number one slash Henry. Eventually, with the help of Dr. Owens and Papa, Eleven gets her powers back, stronger than ever, but is stranded in Nevada. The California crew, Sans Joyce, who went off to Russia to rescue Hopper, finds Eleven in the Nevada desert with the help of Susie's directions. And the California crew jury-rigged a sensory deprivation tank for for Eleven to join the fight in Hawkins to try to save her friends. Max unfortunately dies and becomes the fourth fissure, creating the opening for Vecna to enter our world. Eleven brings back Max um, to life, but Max remains in a coma with four broken limbs. Joyce returns to Hawkins with Hopper and everyone is reunited and is now facing the biggest challenge ever. Number one slash Henry slash Vecna taking over the world. That was a lot. That is a lot. Okay, so let's go into themes, shall we? Power. Uh-huh. Power is in my mind, and, and I know you've got it written here, but it's my mind, number one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just take Papa, for example, he wields so much power over the kids. And as we learn, as we get, uh, Eleven gets her powers back and has to figure out what memory was attached to it and everything mm-hmm. that would trigger them, you see how he manipulated everybody. Yeah, he recorded everything so that he could use everything. You know, um, like uh, Vecna says later, he's, yeah, you have it here, quote, uh, quote, sought greatness in others because he wasn't great himself. Right. So he then wanted to control them and everything else. But even how he tried to control Henry slash Vecna slash one, there there was that idea that he couldn't stop his power. He got scared that the power would not be controllable and therefore he put a chip in him to control him. Mm-hmm. So there's that power control dynamic going mm-hmm. on. I mean, Vecna as well, you know, he was, when he was banished to the Upside Down, he was using the dust to make the Mind Flayer. He then used that to start his plan of revenge against Papa, against Eleven, against the other world. Right? Which also begs the question, since he got there and the Demigorgons and the Demidogs and all that were there, are they just innocent mm. being manipulated by this dust shadow thing we and Vecna abusing them? Mm. 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 Um, the, the other uh, display of power, I think, in you know, the, the, this world is Jason, the popular captain of the basketball team. You know, he always wants to be a hero. He wants to take the winning shot. Um, and he is leading the, however misguided, hunt for Chrissy's killer and he's going to stop at nothing to do it. Yeah, it's interesting how that works because if you take it into modern day society, it is it's the exact same thing. It's fear baiting, it's twisting and blaming somebody else for the unknown. So if you can't understand what's going on right in front of you, it is easier to point the finger at somebody else because we don't understand as human beings the underlying things in this case there is an explanation there is an explanation in this case i understand it's supernatural and they're going to say there's there's no way but you can still there's an explanation Mm -hmm. it's the upside down and from those who have witnessed it instead of accepting what they say they know nobody's going to believe them Mm -hmm. they know it's going to be 
um, they're going to kind of ignore them or say it's fake news or, or whatever. So that power hungry ego fear, all of it wrapped into control and power. It's, it's fascinating how the parallels are there. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Yes. So finding your path acceptance. I think this was also a big, big theme. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing you know, is, is Eleven's arc, right? Her, her journey throughout the season where she, she lost her power. She didn't know who she was without her power. She had to figure that out. And she was struggling to, to, to do that. Um, and she didn't, granted, she needed Dr. Owens and Papa's help to regain it. But she had to remember the trauma that caused her, you know, that caused the, the upside down to begin with, that she was the cause of it. Um, and once she remembered that and she accepted, okay, her, her part in it, she was then able to grow and also be able to be strong enough to let Papa go. I mean, that was something that you were just hooting and hollering about. Yeah, because he was abusive. He was a vile human being. And when she says, you are the monster, he is. And I know Vecna later says, no, he wasn't a monster. He was merely a man. You know, well, you was, did this. You he was could... doing that literally. Yeah, but the idea is, if you look at Vecna, she says, you know, I brought you here. Yeah, but he did this to you. He made you who you are. And he's like, no, you did. And I knew that was coming mm-hmm. because that's the way to get under her skin. Mm-hmm. But in reality, Papa made them this way. The reason they're different is because Eleven has, has friends. friends, family, and love. And he has never had that. He's always had the the psychopathic brain of I'm better. or I, I'm, I'm not explaining it correctly, but the fact is Papa created them. Mm-hmm. Papa made them. And when she says, I've made a decision, if he wasn't a monster... You know, he always knows best. He always does this. If he wasn't a monster, he would have let her go and continue to try to help her. Instead, he stabs something in her neck, tries to control her. Mm-hmm. And what happens? It blows up in his face because he says she's not ready. And you know what? Other people can die and other people can do this. You know what would have happened if she didn't do anything? Max is dead. The fissures open. The worlds collide. And it all happens anyway. And that goes back to... Number one, saying, yeah, he he wants greatness through others because he doesn't have it. He wants to be the savior without having to do anything. Yeah. And when she says, you're the monster, he starts crying. And it feels authentic. I don't know if it's because he was called a monster or if he realizes it's because he's losing control. But her finding her path and realizing it, when she then, he's begging for forgiveness and she just says goodbye. Mm-hmm. I was thrilled because it's her accepting he was part of my past I've accepted what he's done, but I'm not beholden to him. Yeah, And the way she walked away from him with her head held high, mm-hmm. just showing that, okay, now I can forge my own path forward. And before that, you know, her cathartic scream, to me, that was just a very powerful scene mm-hmm. because she was just letting go of everything. Yes, she was controlling a helicopter and then squishing all of the hummers there, but it's just letting go of all of the pain and the hurt and the doubt she's stronger yeah fully knowing who she is Mm -hmm. and where she's going and what she wants to be Mm -hmm. especially like when she said i want to go to my friends if i don't go they die yeah it's not about saving the world as much as it is saving saving 
the ones she loves. And there's a, there's a difference. Yeah. Another person who is like trying to find their path, right, is Eddie. Yeah. And he, you know, he's he's the leader of the Hellfire Club. You know, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and all of that. And he's the he's the I don't dungeon know what, master. Thank you. I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, obviously. Um, so, you know, he has he has the leadership or the power seat there, but in real life he he doesn't, right? He's the outcast. Um there's a line in there where they said, you know, he he kept he kept running, but then he stopped. When he stood his ground, stayed in the um upside, the down. upside down and tried to buy more time for everybody else to succeed. And so he redeemed himself in a way. Well, he found his inner strength. Mm. He realized who he wants to be and he was not allowing anybody else to dictate for him anymore. He heard himself where he realized, like, look, when Chrissy was hurt, I, you know, when, when all this was going on, he ran. I ran. Mm-hmm. And he ran out of fear. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if he stayed? He probably would have been blamed for it anyway. Or gotten killed himself. Exactly. They might have done something. Who knows? But the idea is he sat back and said, who do I want to be remembered for? And mm-hmm. the people that matter are going to remember him as doing what was needing to be done to right. give everybody else a few minutes. Right. So another character here finding the acceptance. To me, that scene where Max was the bait you know, in, I think it's episode nine. You know, we knew that she felt guilty about, you know, we knew that she had survivor's guilt, right? Um, and that was very clear in like the first couple of episodes. But here in in episode nine, she was really acknowledging the fact that she felt guilty because she wished her brother dead because he made her life a living hell. And then finally, you know, when it happened, she wasn't sure if she should be elated or she should try to save him. And so that was, you know, that was the the more complex part of the guilt for her. I thought that was a very powerful scene. Well, they've been telegraphing that with the Kate Bush song. Yes. The swapping our places. Yes. So it was the candidness of Max accepting what she said, how she said, you know, accepting that you're, you're angry with people, accepting that fear, that anger, and accepting the guilt. It's, it's very hard to do. But, yeah. you know, credit to Sadie Sink on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's incredible. Okay, anything more about the finding your path and acceptance? I think we should jump right into found family. Yeah, well, that's been like all of Stranger Things, right? Yeah. Yeah, going to the ends of the earth and other realms, you know, to fight and protect your family. Um, speaking of the people that matter, knowing who you really are, Eddie's uncle continues to believe that his nephew is innocent. And that scene with Dustin makes me very teary-eyed. Yeah, it's it's hard because the people who love you, they know you. Mm-hmm. So all the lies, all the vitriolic BS, the people that know you know the truth. Yeah. And the the that scene, the the reason why it's so important is because Eddie's uncle finally got the validation that he was right. His nephew was innocent and that Dustin was telling him Eddie was a hero yeah. and that he was true to himself to the very end. And, you know, what other thing can you really want in life, right? You want to be true to your yeah he, to yourself. And his uncle never wavered. Nope. Even when the entire town wanted him out, the uncle never wavered and said, look, you know, we've got a bad reputation, but this kid is a good kid. 
again, it goes back to perception. You know, you hear something, you see something. If you don't do your due diligence and get to know the person or look deeper, you don't know. Yeah. We don't know what's going on in this world. We don't know what people think, what people are doing or what's behind their actions. I mean, there's truth to the fact that, you know, rumors fly faster than the truth. Because it's it's more interesting to, you know, think of all of the salacious things that that could be. It's also and then easier. The, yeah, and the truth can be very boring. It's it's just it's easier, in my humble opinion. It is easier because of your own personal fears to get sucked into conspiracies and lies and half truths and yellow journalism than it is to seek out the truth because to seek out the truth a requires you doing something when you might not have the time effort or it's hard work or access because you just might not have any access to it mm-hmm. and then there's the idea that it might not be like you said this great thing that you can latch on to it mm-hmm. might be something so mundane and so boring that you're like oh it can't be that simple yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, but everything I read, they had X, Y, and Z. They had all this proof. They did all this stuff. They had all of these, you know, these links and whatever. Mm-hmm. How could it be a lie? Because at the end of the day, people process things through their experiences. And speaking of, you know, family and their belief in you, you know, the the other theme here that was very, very, very strong throughout season four and throughout um, Stranger Things in, in general is that the strength and bond of love over hate, it keeps you going, right? In the scene, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about when Vecna took Nancy, right? Um, her friends were frantically looking for music to release Vecna's hold. It's like they, were, they wanted to make sure that they did everything that they could to, to protect their friends, their family. In Max's case, when Vecna finally got her and she didn't have her music, she clung on to the memories of you know, that, that snowball dance with Lucas. It's the good memories that keep you going. It also, when Vecna, if you notice, when he grabs them, he preys on their fears. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he, he preys on what everybody else thinks. He preys on the subjective, the, the things we tell ourselves that may or may not be true because we're being influenced by everybody on the outside. Oh, yeah, because fear is a very powerful emotion. To then have the friends rush up and fight and try to get the cassette tape in the, the Walkman mm-hmm. and it, all of that. Uh, Eleven saying, I have to get into this deprivation tank and he's staring at her and looking at her size and going, dude, yeah, we can do this. And taking over the pizza place in order to get Eleven in the tank so Eleven can mind jump yeah. and be there, if nothing else, to try and protect her. And they did. Yeah. I mean, they, they brought Max back to life. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's going to be the impetus for season five, but put a pin in it. So, uh, you know, the the other major scene that really, really got to me was, you know, you, you talked about the pizza place. The scene between the Briars brothers mm-hmm. where Will, you know, was looking longingly at um, Mike and Eleven as, you know, they were they were kind of playful right, in the other room, and Jonathan basically saying, look, I'm your brother. You don't talk to me as much now, but regardless of what it is, I still love and accept you. You know, this I think was so powerful Mm -hmm. because in the 80s, and 
I'm, I'm going to probably reiterate this a bunch through the whole show. Coming out, saying anything, it was unheard of. Yeah. So I was very happy they were factually accurate. To see the way Jonathan accepts and loves him, uh, loves Will, regardless, doesn't have to say it. Yeah. Doesn't put him on the spot, doesn't out him, doesn't make him feel uncomfortable, just says, hey, no matter what is going on, no matter how you feel, I love you. Yeah. I will be here. You are my brother. There's nothing that will break that. Whether your friendships are here or not. Yeah. I am never leaving. Yeah. And that was just, that was just so so great. And you know it it actually parallels um Robin, right? Because there was and I don't remember which episode it was, but she was talking to Steve because they were talking about dating. And Steve was, you know, dating everything and everyone, not not everyone, but all of the He was playing girls, the field, right? Um, and Robin said something very poignant was that, you know, you can ask out any girl you want. If I ask the wrong girl, I'm a pariah. I don't know that that was the, but that, that is the truth in the eighties, right. even the nineties. And to be honest, some of the two thousands, mm-hmm. you asked the wrong girl in our case, you are an outcast. You are shunned. You are like labeled and that's it. There's yeah. no way to get away from that. And imagine this is Hawkins, a small Midwest town. Yeah. The accuracy of that. I so appreciate I love that they're developing Will the way they're developing. It is not queer baiting. They do not have him sitting there um, with another individual where you think they're going to be together, but they're not. They are literally having somebody slowly come to terms with who they are in, to be honest, some of the most conservative times of this nation in a hugely conservative Midwest town. So it is beautifully done, absolutely stunning. And the way Jonathan sees it in the rearview mirror, puts it together and understands and doesn't blink. Yeah, that is just, that is true love and family. Um, And then speaking of family, I think the Duffer brothers are just brilliant in this. Like they, they really highlight all of the relationships because right before the final, the big battle, right, where they're gonna go up against Vecna, you know, they were in that in that meadow putting together their their weapons and they were talking, right? Especially the Sinclair siblings. Mm-hmm. Lucas telling Erica that she came to all his games, except for the one that mattered. And she was like, Yeah, well, you know, parents made me do it. But she also admitted that, well, you're my brother. And then still had the baby sister feeling of, you're so doing this wrong. Let me fix the spirit. It's not tight enough. Well, that's you know, because she knows that she's just... She's a smart kid. <laughs> yeah. But it's the idea that... It's a sibling rivalry. It's a sibling rivalry, but it's also that sibling love. Mm-hmm. Like, you you want to tell him you love him, but you also don't want to be too serious about it. So immediately went to something else. Right. But then you also have, you know, Eddie and Dustin had a very... Um, lovely conversation and, and breaking it's like in. big brother little yeah brother, you know justin. saying dustin you know don't you ever change the, which immediately put me on notice that he was probably going to die because when you have a great I, and i leaned over and told you as such yeah. when you have that kind of connection and that intimate conversation you know all right why is this happening See, i just kind of had a feeling that eddie was gonna do something and he did um Steve and Robin having real conversation yeah, over they, Molotov cocktails. <laughs> it's it's funny because as soon as he said that, I was thinking Molotov girl. Uh, in free, that's what I was thinking guy. of right away. But free I was guy. like, 
um, you know, they were they were actually coming to grips that you know this might be the the time that they don't get lucky and mm-hmm. they perish. So it's it's a very serious conversation that you know they've they've always been again like the brother sister type thing, right? And they're always ribbing each other. But this is this is like one of the times when they were serious and that they were saying, okay, well, we're we're still going to try our best. And well, because he, I think it was Steve who says, you know, I would rather try and fail than not try. Yeah. Because what do you, what do we gain by not trying? He's going to take over. We have to fight. Right. Maybe if they stop him here, he doesn't come to the right side up. <laughs> there's yeah, there's there is there there's is hope. hope. And as long as there is hope, there's a chance. Yeah. So you keep fighting. Um earlier you were talking about like the nuances of the 80s. I just wanted to bring in there that the nostalgia factor and I think that's part of the reason why I I really got drawn to Stranger Things to begin with is because it was set in the 80s. You know, it just it brought back like the Walkmans, you know. I the, had a Walkman. I, I did too. I had a waterproof one. It was the sport one. So oh you could my run goodness, and they sweat. were so heavy. God, yes. You always um, had to make sure your belt mm-hmm. was like really tight because um, otherwise your pants would sag on one yeah. side. I mean, you know, in in Susie's house, uh, in her father's office where they had the dot matrix printers. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, wait a minute. Dot matrix printer, little tangent joke. My bedroom when I was little was on the wall that my mother had an office and she had a dot matrix printer that she uh, used for work. Mm-hmm. And I'd be sleeping because I'd have to wake up early in the morning and all I would hear is at like 11 o'clock at night and I would be wide awake. I... It's so funny because during that scene, you've told me that story so many times that I was actually thinking, oh, there you go. It woke up, Kimmy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then you have the uh, the 16-bit game consoles. I mean, we were lucky if we had that. Those were expensive. Uh, yeah. The and then dial-up. I I oh. was cracking up. Dial-up. I could hear that noise in the back of my head. Yep. Yeah. It's oh. just... It and was... then you were lucky if you connected at 9,600. We're like, ooh. Like, Remember when it hit 14.4? Wow. Oh. Like, ooh. It's like, oh, no one must be on. Yeah. And then your phone was busy. Your parents always knew when you were online because your phone was busy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, the music was great. I love oh I love God. the music every season. I know they have, uh, I will link, if I can find it in Spotify, they do have a, a playlist in Apple Music from Netflix for this season. But um, Kate Bush's song, you know, Running Up That Hill, is just so perfect for the season. Yeah, and apparently I saw a uh, an article where it apparently is earning her millions in royalties from streaming. I'm like, oh, you go, girl. She deserves <laughs> it. I will say my favorite, though, my absolute favorite, mm. has been the remix of Journey Separate Ways. I I am in heaven with it. I am addicted to it. I played on repeat. Oh, it gives me the chills. Exactly. It's so eerie and so, oh, it's like it gives it oomph. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the classic police song, Every Breath You Take. Because Vecna is stalking you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, at the at the top of the trailer, you know, Eddie finally is like having his solo. And I was like, what is that song? And you're like, oh, Metallica. I'm like, what? It's I'm Master like, of oh, Puppets. I was like, go. oh, my God, he's playing Master. And then the caption comes up, Master of Puppets. I'm like, get that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay. The music, well, the music is go. great. So any other good or well, themes? I don't, I don't know any other themes that we need to delve into. But before we jump into the bad, we are going to be sharing a promo from one of our podcasting friends. Oh, cool. 
Once upon a time, a trio of bards, the narrator's three, were called upon to unite the realms with an episode-by-episode deep-dive commentary on the fairy tale laden soap opera, Once Upon a Time. Tune in for weekly retrospect sprinkled with judgmental fondness and hysterical disappointment as the narrator's three laugh, throw shade, and have the occasional emotional breakdown. If you find tales of costuming, character takedowns, and plot devices that come with a price utterly charming, the Narrators 3 invite you to join them for Once Upon a Rewatch, available on all major platforms where podcasts can be found. Ah, what a little fairy tale. Oh, it's Once Upon a Time. How can I, you not like Once Upon a Time? I don't watch Once Upon a Time. I need to, you know what? You need to listen to that podcast and then watch the episodes with me. <laughs> okay. But we are going to jump into the bad of season four back to our normally scheduled podcast no kidding um okay so what is the bad we have to wait some time to whenever they've announced season five is coming out yeah that was my i mean that is one hell of a cliffhanger (laughs) like by the way did you notice it made like this real big the the it's like the four corners and i kept going "Ooh, is this like the four corners like um, the craft. Well, well, they were talking. At least Dustin was talking about you know the the four, um, the four horsemen of apocalypse the apocalypse. So it's like there's so many fours, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize how many fours there are. Well, in like, it's season four. So. Yes, I understand that, but I was thinking. <laughs> In history, as far as like evils mm-hmm. and a lot of things, I was like, oh, everything comes in threes. No, there's a lot that comes in fours, too. Yeah. Four? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a lot that comes in, well, wow, I'm screwing up everything today. Uh, you are okay. It's, it was such, and forgive me, when Jason got obliterated. Oh, my goodness. It's so like cathartic. Uh, yeah. I felt kind of felt bad for him, though. But. Well, you know what? It's all good. He got his just desserts, as you always say. Um, anyway. Is there any we, other bad? Um, there, I understand why they had the long episodes. It really worked really, 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 really well. It was kind of slow in the beginning, though. There were some episodes I think they could have trimmed. I don't know by how much. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie here. But it did seem to take a little bit to get going and i think maybe the earlier episodes could have been trimmed a little bit the later episodes of volume one i know could not because they they were just so much and to be honest the last two episodes we didn't realize they were done yeah i was like no Um, it felt like it was just five minutes yeah it wasn't clearly uh the hints there's so much going on. My brain is overloaded. Is that a bad thing? My brain's overloaded? Yes, because then, you know, you're thinking about other possibilities without spoiling it for me. I've got so many, like, tendrils of ideas of where things could go running in my head, but well, there's you know so what? many of them that I don't think any of them are humanly possible. It's okay, because you will have your opportunity to share a few later on. Are we putting a pin in that? Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> there's my pin down. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so... Let's dive into the cube. Now, this is a very dark season, but even here, there are about three to me that stand out that I can think of as cute. Oh, you have three? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so for one, in chapter six, when Susie mentions that the internet, you know, the IP addresses, you know, the internet and something like that, and the boys are like, what's the internet? And she oh, says, yeah, that was funny. Don't worry about it. It's just going to change the world. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it did. That's an understatement. Um, and then in that same episode, when Steve first dives into the lake, Dustin on the shore 
actually says, you know, if Steve finds that gate down there, it'll be Watergate. <laughs> yeah, you. I remember you Watergate. laughing on on the couch for that, and I was just like, oh, that's such a dad joke. Oh, and you were like, oh my so god, that's great. so funny. It's so it great. was. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Dustin being Dustin. Yes, I, to be honest, I love I think, his character. I think Dustin is one of the best characters, mm. and I think it's because um, Gaten is the actor behind Dustin, right? The well, yeah, at the convention, so much work. I don't remember who it was. It but w- makes it work so much. That's what I meant. Was it Charlie or Dacre who said that they they love Gaten, and he's just he is his character. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, even on, on stage, stage he was hysterical. Uh, jinx. Um, okay, and so my third one, which is the best one. Oh, no, you are, not, nine, you are not bringing that up. When Argyle oh. makes pizza. It was what? It was Hawaiian pizza. Oh, oh it was so great. And L, L confirmed that it was good. Oh, my God. I'm so hungry right now. Mm. I am with Mike. You do not put fruit on a pizza. No. My dudette. Try before you deny. Look. <laughs> my wifey. I have tried many a meal that you have made and requested me try things. If you put... Look, I'm just going to tell our lovely listening audience. If there is a bit of fruit or whatever else you get on a pizza touching my slice, I will not eat it. Come on, there's so bad. many things no. that work. No, like no, like chocolate mousse and raspberry. Mm. Oh, no, Yum. I don't even like that. Hawaiian pizza. No. Mm. All right. First off, you're trying to put chocolate in the same category as Hawaiian. Of all right, course. this is going to be a podcast all on its own. It's anyway, just no. So, so you know what? We're going to post that to the listening audience. Pineapple on pizza. <laughs> yay or nay? Thousand times. Yay. I want it a thousand times. Nay. <laughs> um. Oh, I, you know, one thing that was cute that I was just thinking of Mm. when, uh, and I don't know if it was cute as much as it just made my heart swell when Joyce and Hopper were reunited and he's like, and then he's talking about their date and then he's like, I'm ordering two things of breadsticks. (laughs) And she's like, you're only thinking about the breadsticks. He's like, I lived off moldy bread and water. (laughs) He was also thinking of lasagna. Well, yeah, it was lasagna or something else. Yeah, but and I got I was like, "Ooh, lasagna." I was immediately drawn to that. But I thought it was adorable the way they they went back and forth and then uh the phone call cuts them off. <laughs> I know, right? Um, it's like, "What?" But it was it was adorable and it was that it was that real relationship that you've just been waiting for to hear yeah. to see. So yeah. it was nice. Um okay. So at the New Jersey convention, let's bring in the convention a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of the questions centered around the music and what music would... Um, oh, what song would save you from Vecna? Yeah. So what song would save you from Vecna? I just asked that twice, but hey. <laughs> well, um, if we're talking about the 80s music, it yeah, would be... Yeah, it has to be 80s, because remember, that was that was something that they were asking. Like, mm-hmm. No, it has to be 80s. Well, for me, it's... In, in the 80s, um, it would be something from Madonna or Cyndi Lauper, because I always, like, listen to them. And... Uh, the reason why that is for me is because when we moved from the Philippines to the U.S. in the late 80s, the transition was very, very hard for me. And um, I actually remember converting all of my tapes to CDs. And then I would have like my little CD Walkman. Um, oh, it was a Discman, not a <laughs> Walkman. Sorry. 
a disc man. And I would just remember falling asleep listening to Madonna's True Blue album. And it was, you know, just the one one of the things that, that helped me get through day after day. So any song in, on the True Blue album or Cindy Lauper. The True Blue album, I think, was one of the best albums ever released in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I agree. However, How about you? Um, I went to Catholic school, so it was pre-K mm-hmm. all the way through eighth. And then I went to high school, a Catholic high school. I was bullied relentlessly, horribly, mm-hmm. horribly so. So for me, I would say either Eurythmics, Sweet Dreams. Mm, good song. It's a great song. And that beat. Yeah, and it always kept me going. Um, and then Pat Benatar's We Belong mm. was a very powerful song. But if I'm going to just keep expanding, I would say my entire Debbie Gibson catalog that I had. Um, because it, it always kept, it was lighthearted music, even yeah. like the romantic ballads. But I mean, I had like Scorpion, uh, Scorpion's Wind of Change. I had a lot of songs that really helped me get through that. Well, you're you're like a walking jukebox. You just know music. Music saved me. Mm-hmm. I mean, when push comes to shove, I will say the music of the 80s kept me going. And when I really hit rock bottom in the 90s in high school it was horrible for me. Music kept me going there, too. Um, and whenever I've had really very, very difficult times in my life, music has been what has centered me. Yeah. Always. And I mean, speaking of music, my, my parents like forced me to take piano lessons when I was younger and I, I always rebelled against it. And now that I'm older, I wish I hadn't, but I came across the, uh, piano cover of Kate Bush's running up that hill. And if I could play piano, even infinitesimally good, I would learn this song and it just gave me goosebumps. So, um, if you want to check it out, it's on YouTube, and we'll provide the link in our show notes page. Um, moving right along, okay, um, because we're we're gonna have to wrap it up wrap soon. this up soon. We haven't done this in a while, but since we know that season five will be the last season, mm-hmm. and you know this last season just left us on a major cliffhanger, why don't you then tell us your spoiler speculate speculations? I can't. I, can't even I always say mess this. that up. Spec- you lay yes, but you have to make it a short list. It's only three. Okay. Okay. Number one, they're going to get Max back. Okay. Here's how I figure this. If you, the entire season four really was based on Nightmare on Elm Street. And anybody who actually understands the Nightmare on Elm Street lore and everything else, Freddy Krueger, when he kills them, he actually absorbs all of their souls and they become part of him. So that when he actually wants to scare people, he lifts up his sweater and you can see the faces of those he's killed in the past. And then he lowers his sweater and it's all gone. And is that why the actor who played Freddy Krueger was a guest star here? Yeah. <laughs> I just was making that jumping clear. up and down when that happened because I absolutely <laughs> I want to meet Robert Robert Enklin mm. and then just like tell him, dude, I was a child who hid under a couch to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. You terrified the living daylights out of me, and yet I absolutely love that character. Okay, but anyway, so since Freddy Krueger actually absorbs the souls and everything, and since Max is actually still living in the right side up, yes, I'm calling it the right side up. So because our body is still alive and everybody else that he's absorbed is actually dead, even though they're part of like the upside down and those little like cages of like vines and everything that are like part of the hive mind. I think that when they actually vanquish Vecna, vanquish Vecna, V squared, when they do that, then they're going to be able to actually release her soul because when Eleven was in her mind, her mind was completely blank. It was just like it was this empty black. black yes vastness which means she is part of him he is giving him power so he needs these souls to open up the fissures to do all this so how can they stop it when they vanquish him maybe the fissures close up because of the fact that they've released the souls and then max gets her soul back which means okay, Max's dreams and everything come in and then max is going to be alive and well because she's alive in the real world if she's not alive in the real world if 11 didn't revive her then i don't think this happens okay number two not everyone in our group is going to survive 
I do think that season five is going to be even darker than this season because of everything that's going to be coming to the surface. And I do believe that our lovely family and everybody else is going to be in a heck of a lot of trouble. And I really don't know if Jopper's ever going to get to that date, but I really hope he does with his two things of breadsticks and everything. But I do believe that we are going to have massive problems and that they're that the ones we love, not everybody's going to walk away from it. Uh, because the fact is, we also know that 11 is the like one that, that created the upside down. And if 11 created the upside down, maybe 11 is the only one that was able to actually close the upside down, which theoretically then, because it goes into my point three, because even evil never dies because as long as there's people with greed and and hungry for power there's always going to be the upside down because the upside down fuels this right so that shadow is like if you think about it the evil and the anger that absorbs into human beings so if it's that right if it's like this evil that we as human beings funnel into the world and it's just in the ether and then it actually goes into other things then you have to figure that somebody who's going to want to control the demigorgons and the demidogs and everything else and control the shadow which actually is the epitome of evil then they're going to want to find a way to get into the upside down so 11 is actually going to be constantly on the run so then theoretically if you think about it the only way to shut down the upside down and shut down the evil is to kill 11 so i don't know if they're going to do that because i mean that would just be ridiculous but then you have to figure overall the evil is never going to go away the shadow this evil that the mind flare and everything else that's all in the upside down will never die because as long as there is evil and hatred in the world it will continue to fuel that so the upside down will forever exist regardless of whether 11 is there or not it's the yin and yang. It's Bingo. always going to be. There's the right side up and the upside down, and those in the upside down are on the wrong side of history. Mm. That is my spoiler speculations uh, I and theories. I have just one, really, or maybe two. I don't know, and I'm going to start. I'm going to speak slowly. You know, Eleven's newfound confidence. I don't know if she's going to be overconfident and then like misjudge. Vecna and then put her family. I don't at risk. think she's ever going to be that overconfident because she was struggling because she lost. And Mike said she's never lost before, mm. not like that. I think she's going to learn that she can't do it alone. Mm. Okay. So um, hopefully that's right. And then the other thing that I'm worrying about, or worrying, wondering about is whether Will will fully share his feelings for Mike and come out. I think he might come out. I don't know if he would ever share his feelings for Mike, but I think he'd come out. I mm. think it would, I think it will be, I would love it if they did like a flash forward after this was all over and mm. show like where they are now. Uh, maybe. I mean, they know that it's a final season, so maybe, the, you know, they'll, they'll provide a little bit of closure. I mean, we like both, herb. Yeah, we do know that there's more to delve into in regards to the Stranger Things universe. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm assuming that means there's more stuff coming, whatever that is, maybe spinoffs. I have no idea. Mm. So I think that wraps up our discussion of Stranger Things, don't you think? I yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So now it's time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate Stranger Things season four five stars. Yay! Yay! And we absolutely agree on this rating, along with, like, (laughs) millions of other people out there. Yeah, so this season was quite emotional, especially the last two episodes. For me, the scenes where family and friends accepted Will and Robin, regardless of their sexuality, really hit home for me. It's hard to live happily, freely, you know, and in your truth when you have to hold something of yourself secret from everyone. The fear, the pain, the depression, it's, it's all very real. Um, now, that's aside from all of the other themes that we barely scratched the surface on in this episode. Um, and then you add the 80s challenge track, and that's just, you know, absolutely golden. You know, what more can you want? 
And I can't say enough about the show and will eagerly await season five. I agree with everything you said. Mm. Um, in the 80s, it, it was virtually impossible to be open about who you were. And it, it truly wasn't much better in the 90s. In my humble opinion, it's only recently Mm -hmm. uh, that it feels like people can be more open and, and more free about who they are. So showing the truth about the time period is very important. It it also broke my heart watching Eddie fight for a town doing what was right, even when the town of Hawkins would never know. Mm -hmm. They'd always paint him as a villain because it's easier than the truth. And in the end, this season is very clear on one thing, in my humble opinion. The truth is always there. You might not want to believe it, you might not want to see it, but it is there. You can hide your head in the sand or blame someone else for the evils of the world. Eventually, it will be at your doorstep and you are going to be forced to face it. You can flee or you can be Eddie and the chosen family and fight for what's right. The truth, goodness, and love. And with that, that is going to be our uh, show for today. Again, this is a rather long episode, but... It, there's a lot. I mean, one episode is over an hour. Hmm. So there's a lot to really cover and we barely scratched the surface. So thank you so much for joining us. Were there any key points or other themes that you feel we should have discussed? Just leave us a message on speakpipe.com forward slash forever fangirls podcast. Also let us know if you like pineapple on pizza or not. Yes. And no. And if you're listening to this podcast on your smartphone, please be sure to hit that little subscribe button so you do not miss an episode. And until next time, stay safe. Be kind and remember, as Kimmy said, the truth is always there. We can choose to run from it, but eventually it will always catch up. Stand in your truth because it will set you free. <laughs> <laughs>